You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Claire O'Brien, nurse practitioner, and today I'm here with Maggie Rollins. So if you don't know Maggie, most of us in Charleston know Maggie. She is 28. She, we do. You're 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 a celeb. So Maggie is a a, a supermodel. Is that the right no, term? No, definitely not a, a supermodel. A regular model. A regular model. A regular model. Uh, so she, Maggie started her career actually as a nurse at. Yes. Um, my alma mater, MUSC. Um, And then she worked for about a year and had been scouted to be a model. She's been in magazines like Elle, GQ. um, What are the other ones? Harper's Bazaar, Victoria's Secret, just casual publications, if you will, (laughs) similar to my publications. So I almost feel embarrassed for her, but you know. I'm kidding. Anyway, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming to chat. Of so course. I love um always love Maggie and I talk on Instagram all the time about like random misinformation. All the time, even though we just met but for the first time today. <laughs> today. <laughs> We've never met, but we talk all the time, which is weird, but also seems normal because it's 2020. I Social media. Seen a lot of humans yeah. recently. Um, so tell us about your time as a nurse. So my time in a nur- as a nurse. When you first started. Past, okay, so I started, well, I, I went to College of Charleston mm-hmm. for two years, and then I transferred into a nursing program in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, like Queens or? Yeah, and okay. yeah, I'm, I was actually, I worked, I was in Concord. Okay. Um, and because MUSC didn't have a nursing program that you could just slide into. Yeah, you had to have a BS, uh-huh, you had to have to a BS start. in something else. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. So now yeah. I have two bachelors, which is stupid. <laughs> it is. It's not stupid. Well, it's not useful. It's expensive, yeah. but yeah, not stupid. But I transferred into a nursing program, um, graduated, passed boards, and worked in hematology oncology at MUSC. Which is cancer. Yes. Yeah. How was and that? I did loved cancer. I was in cancer for almost 10 years. And I loved I just, it. It's hard to explain, yeah. but I just absolutely loved working with cancer patients. I did too. I felt like it was the first time that I worked with a group of patients who were like super compliant and yeah. like really, really fighting for their lives. Yeah. And like wanted to be there, wanted to, they didn't want to be there, but like they wanted the treatment. They were doing anything they could. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To get better. Yeah. Yeah. So how you told me earlier, you had been scouted when you were younger yeah. and just felt like it wasn't yeah, like feasible for a yeah. career. Yeah. I mean, I was 16 the first time that I got scouted mm-hmm. and I mean, you know, you're still in high school at that point. Right. And I kind of thought it was a little bit of a sham, like I didn't, or like yeah. a scam, like what you want, you know, how, you how does that work? Did like a man come up to you in the mall? No, or, it was on know? social media. It was on a Facebook. Oh God. So that's fair that you felt like it was a shame. Yeah. I was like, this is really creepy. Right. Um, and then I kind of looked into it a little bit. It was with Wilhelmina in mm-hmm. Miami and then, which is kind of the first place you go when you start modeling is Miami. It's kind of the uh-huh. first place you go to develop is okay. what they say. Um, and once I graduated 
from nursing school, the same agency reached out to me and they're like, we didn't forget about you. Oh, it's been four years. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So then you picked it up from there? Kind of. I talked to my nurse manager about it and she was like, you have to go. Absolutely. You can always come back. If you hate it, you'll have a job here. Oh, that's nice. Oh my God. That was the only reason why. I I was kind of thinking they'd be like, okay, you think you're going to be a model? Good for you. Same, same. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go from like working my butt off from the past four years to not using any brain cells. Because when you're, you were on the floor as an oncology nurse, right? Okay. So on the floor as an oncology nurse, you, people probably think you're like, I I don't even know. Cause it's hard to, it's hard to imagine. I think if you haven't been there, but on an oncology floor, it's not just the pe- the people aren't there because they have cancer necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're they have a million other things mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. and they have cancer. Yes. So you're like, yes, you're hanging chemo, which is actually like super dangerous yes. and very like time consuming and tedious. Yes. But you're also taking care of I'm trying to think I mean what they have like depends on what cancer they have. Like yeah. they can't they've got feeding tubes, they've yes. got you know, pneumonia, they're on a million drips for a million different things yes. or they're having surgery. It's, it's, it's hard work. It's yes. sort of it's like med surge. Yeah. I mean, and most of your patients are neutropenic and, mm-hmm. you know, they have other infections that you're trying to, you know, deal with. Um, but no, it was, it was very tedious and I feel like I never really felt fully, fully comfortable. You know, they say it takes you like a, the first a while. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, a full year before you really feel, I mean, I felt, you know, very competent and I could handle it. Right. But I just knew that there was still a lot that I needed to learn. And I kind of feel that way about everything, especially yeah. in medicine, because it's always changing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, but so I worked there for a little bit and then talked to my nurse manager and she was kind of the one that Let you know, fly. Yeah. Like a little baby yeah, butterfly. Like a little baby butterfly. So you modeled, that was 2015, so that was about yeah. five years ago. So yeah. you've just been mainly doing that. But you always kept up with your nursing mm-hmm. license. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I didn't think that I was going to be modeling this long. Yeah. I wanted to do it to pay off, you know, loans, school, school and, and yeah. whatever else. Um, so that was kind of my, the, the number one reason why I decided to do it was yeah. to kind of get ahead on school loans. Yeah. Um, I never really dreamt of being a model Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, I kind of, like when I approached my nurse manager, I thought that she was going to laugh at me and be like, what? Yeah. But she also was like, your your face is very different than anyone's and you should be a model. (laughs) No, you should see me in the hospital. I had like my retainer and my glasses on. I'd go with like pimple cream on my face. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, underneath, they knew. So what... It's actually not, I think, as difficult to keep up with your license as people Mm-mm. think, but but you still have to think about it every mm-hmm. couple of years. And yeah, what made you think you just felt like you would at some point go back? Yeah, I, I did. I mean, I've you know volunteered uh-huh. here and there with One World Health. Yes, um, we'll talk about that. Yeah, went with you know to Uganda and Nicaragua. Uh huh. Um, and then I would just try. I mean, and figure out other ways that I could volunteer. Mm-hmm. And I know that. Um, Keep your skills up yeah, a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you just always felt like maybe you would, yeah. m- maybe they wouldn't call you back and then you'd have to go <laughs> back and be a nurse. Yeah, and you know, I, I've always said that that's what I would do when I quit modeling. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously, when I first started, I th- really did think that I would only be modeling for a little while until I paid uh-huh. off school and then I'd get back into the hospital. But like the next year happened and the next year happened. Yeah. And 
I'd only been on a plane twice before I started modeling. And so all of a sudden it was kind of like this whole new world oh, wow. where yeah. I was spending, you know, months in Paris and New York and LA yeah. and London and, and traveling by myself. And I feel like you kind of just get a completely different skill set learning to like live on your own in different countries where, you know, nobody and don't right. speak the language. And is that um, kind of terrifying? No, I really love it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I really love it. I don't mind travel. I know that sounds so weird, but I don't mind traveling by myself. And I don't know if it's because I've had to do it for the past, you know, handful of years or what, but no, I can't, you know, I don't hate it. You can kind of do what you want to do. I have no problem eating dinner by myself at a restaurant. Go to a movie by myself. Uh, All the time. I love it. Don't talk to me. Don't bother me. It's just me. I can eat what I want. The only thing I would be nervous about is being in another country where I don't speak the language and be, people yeah. feeling like you're a complete moron. Uh, a moron. Yeah. A moron. And a yeah. lot of the girls that I work with, I know you know people have this preconceived idea that like a lot of models are dumb and yeah. this and that. Most of the girls that I work with speak like three or four languages and oh, I'm gosh. the idiot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the dumb one. But I bet they don't know like nursing skills. They don't. So I'll hold on to that. I'll hold on to that. Ask them to to do that next time. (laughs) And I bet they cannot. So what is the most, I mean, let's talk about modeling a little bit. And then I want to talk about, so Maggie, well, we'll get there. But all right, what's the like most fun, but also let's do, what's the most fun thing about modeling and what's the least fun thing about modeling? Most fun thing. um, I kind of think that there's the same thing. Okay. The best thing and the worst thing, spending a lot of time by yourself. Yeah. Um, and not being home. I mean, I love to travel. I love meeting new people and having, you know, new experiences. And I love, you know, the, this opportunity that I've been given to see the world through different people's Mm -hmm. points of view. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's kind of rocked my world a little bit. And I think that's also the worst thing is not being home, not always being able to like pour into a community and having a community pour into you and, a routine. I've never really been a routine person, but I, I find myself craving it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm a routine person. Yeah. I'm like out of my routine right now because we're yeah. in the middle of our moving and I'm like, I mean, you're living I like a nomad. Right we're now. a little bit nomads, <laughs> a little bit. And it, yeah, it's, I, I, it's making me a little bit insane. Yeah. So you're married to your, was yeah. George your high school sweetheart or y'all just grew no, up next to each other? No, we just grew up next to our neighbors. We went to the same high That's school. That's real cute. Yes, he's precious, but you know, when you, are four years apart. Uh-huh. Doesn't seem like a lot now, but it's like a lifetime when oh, you're kids. My husband's six years older than me. And when we <laughs> met, I was twenty something and he was he was thirty. And I was like, that's adorable that you like <laughs> think that we're gonna date and you're thirty. Like you're, you're like very you're, old. You're very old. Very old. Very old. That's exactly. exactly how I felt about him. Yeah. I was like, you're very old. Yeah. But I always had a crush on him when you know, he was like the older uh-uh. kid on the older street. Guy. I thought he was cool and cute. He had a bowl cut and like <laughs> four teeth total. And awesome. bless what does him. he do? He works in marketing. Okay. Yeah. So big outdoorsman. Can he travel with you some or? Yeah, he does, which has been great. Um, he does get to work from home a lot, but he is also very much a routine guy. Uh-huh. And so I try to like, I kind of try to balance in between wanting to have him with me where I am and also mm-hmm respecting what he needs mm-hmm. um you know this is my like I made these choices to work yeah. where I'm working and yeah. it's not you know he does he does come spend a lot of time if I'm in Miami or in New York he loves New York City which is so funny to me because funny. he's such like an outdoorsy person uh-huh. doesn't like big cities but he does love New York um or even like in Europe 
Uh-huh. He will come with me. He hates going to LA. I can see that. It's a miserable flight. Yeah. No direct flight from Charleston, which yeah. changes in December, thank God. Oh, does it? Yes. We're going to have a direct know, flight to West Coast? Yes. Oh, who knew? I didn't know until last week. Oh, that's so interesting. No, I think JetBlue and American Airlines. Um, That's awesome. I, they're like partnering together and going to have a direct flight. And we have a direct flight to London now. I knew the flight to London, but that's like seasonal or yeah. whatever. Hopefully, yeah. that'll be good. So... Um, when COVID came in March, what made you, so Maggie went, packed up her stuff and went to New York to Mm -hmm. work in a hospital there. What made Mm -hmm. you do that? You know, I, I don't really know. I just felt like everybody had a responsibility to play during all of this. Uh Everyone had a responsibility that they... I don't know, had to kind of step up to whether that was staying at home uh-huh. and, um, I don't know, just being smart about things. And I felt like New York got hit so hard. Crazy. There was an epicenter of it all. Right. And New York has been such a good city to me. I just felt like I needed to kind of give back. Yeah. Um, which sounds so weird and strange, but also, you know, they had a crazy nursing shortage mm-hmm. and I, originally intended to volunteer in Charleston mm-hmm. at MUSC, but a lot of, I mean, my girlfriends who are nurses here, they all got furloughed for a little bit. Yeah, we were kind of okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there wasn't an opportunity for me to volunteer here. Right. Um, and I had some other girlfriends going to New York. It's kind of all my girlfriends who like didn't have kids yeah. yet and, you Young, know, they could, could do it. And go. Yeah. And yeah. so I just, I did a 21 day assignment there Yeah, and went and... It was wild. Tell us about, I mean, I, it's it's probably hard to even like summarize. Yeah. But I, I know I was talking with somebody last week about it and I feel like, I don't know if I've even processed everything really mm-hmm. because it was just, you know, like night and day, a comparison from Charleston, New York City. Right. Um, I mean, there is just, it was really sad. First of all, the city in itself was wild. I was staying in in NoHo and you could look out the window for 30 minutes and not see a car drive by. That's crazy. I mean, nuts. When I say it, like I said the other day on um, Instagram, like how, how New York did such a good job and people were like, Oh, governor Cuomo. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I mean. I mean like the city, like the, the people, people did an York amazing job crushed. Like, yep. Exactly like you said. Yep. And these people aren't like, oh, they have backyards they can retreat no, 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 to. No. They are cooped up. They're one on an, top of each other. Apartment. Yes. But it was amazing to see. Um, that's pretty wild. Yeah. New Yorkers, man, they, they handled it really well. They, they did. I mean, they, they really did. So did you have to, did you work 21 days in a row? Or I didn't work 21 days in a row. No, I did have some girlfriends who did that. Ugh. And I had, I mean, one of my best friends worked, um, 21 night shifts in a row. That's very, yes. very brutal. And we were two subway stops away when we were still taking the subway. It eventually had to get shut down, but, right. um, we were close and I feel like, she, that's, I mean, I almost feel guilty talking about my experience because it was so light compared to a lot of the other people there. I mean, there are women and men living in the hospitals and not going home to see their kids right? right. because one, you know, they wanted to help, but two, they had, I mean, they needed a job. They still needed an income right. and they couldn't go home and see their kids. Stuff like that always kind of shook me. And I think that's why I've been a little bit hesitant to even talk about it because people, did so much more Mm -hmm. than what I did. 
I'm so excited to tell you about Room for Peace organizing. So if you are feeling like you open your closet or your pantry and it looks like a bomb has gone off, you need to call Katie at Room for Peace. So we are moving and it's a nightmare and I have two kids and two jobs and a husband who has 87 jobs. And so Katie at Room for Peace coordinated our whole move. She got us packed, organized. She got us in our temporary place. She's gonna help us when we get to Nashville. She's been so amazing. So if you're in Charleston, you should definitely check her out or she will travel to where you are. Room for Peace Organizing. Check her out. But it is so important for people to hear about. I mean, we we were talking about it kind of when she first got here of like, you know, what are we going to talk about in relation to that? And I was like, listen, I just feel like you're young and relatable. And there's so much about this virus that is not that feels not young and not relatable. If you're living in a place yeah. where you know, it hasn't been that hard hit and Mm -hmm. you're still under lockdown and there's a lot going on Mm -hmm. and you feel like, well, I'm young and healthy. Why am I doing all of this bending over backwards of my life? Mm -hmm. And so I just want people to hear about, you know, how unbelievably real and raw Mm -hmm. this was for other, other Uh, young people. You know what I mean? It was, it was one, it was probably the scariest experiences I've ever had I mean you would there is there are alarms going off all constantly constantly. you just heard sirens um I was working in the makeshift COVID unit it was Mm -hmm. two floors um in Queens and I mean we everybody was dying yeah and granted I was working in you know, a very, very underserved population. Right. Every, everyone that I was with, I felt like, um, you know, they either didn't have health insurance, mm-hmm. they were homeless, there were mm-hmm. a lot of drug addicts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the thing is, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's a massive homeless population mm-hmm. in New York City mm-hmm. and a massive mental health and drug crisis as well. Mm-hmm. And I think those are most of the patients that I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when yeah. I was in Queens, and it that was you know it was it was unbelievable. Yeah, um, to see this close up, and then to hear people say that this yeah. was a sham, this was made up by the government, or you know whatever crazy conspiracy theory people came up with. Right, um, and it was like offensive, kind of to a point, to hear people talk right. that way. And when you're there and seeing it up close and People are dying all the time. Yeah. Um, and you see like the morgue truck going around and it's at capacity. So people are storing dead bodies place, you know, I mean, right. it was, it was really, really heavy. And since then I've been back in New York, um, you know, back working, yeah, modeling and I still like can't shake Seeing that. a lot. Yeah. I can't shake that. Cause you were telling me that the the hospital where you were working got a citation mm-hmm. or something for like incorrectly storing mm-hmm. the bodies, mm-hmm. but it's like, where else were they mm-hmm. going to put them? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a while, And that was right when I first started and they, I guess they had to tell us all that during orientation. Yeah. And I just remember being like, what? Yeah. You know, and we didn't have PPE. We didn't have N95 masks. We didn't have right. anything. We had, you know, like our bunny suits and then a surgical mask. Yeah. And that's, were you, t- you were you nervous that you were going to get it or um kind of mm-hmm. but not really mm-hmm. I don't know why mm-hmm. um 
I was nervous that I was going to get it. I was more nervous about getting it and then just being stuck in this apartment in New York City by myself. Right. Um, but I don't know. I just, I just more than anything felt like I had a responsibility and felt yeah. like I needed to kind of follow through with that. It, it really is crazy just how, how people have are now acting like this is like not real. I and know. the the last report that came out from the CDC is mm. talking about how 94% of people who died of COVID had the, Oh, this is a perfect example of what we're going to talk about. We're about to talk about your cholesterol. <laughs> Take a left. Maggie has high cholesterol and we're going to talk about it. So when the report came out from the CDC that said 94% of the people that died of COVID ha- basically had something else on their death, death certificate, right? Yes, and people interpret that the complete wrong way. Thank you. So I don't have to say it, that you said it. <laughs> See, guys, it's not just me. It's, it was mind-blowing. And then people using that argument. Right. You know, like, <sighs> what? It, like, it makes no sense. Oh, so, it makes no sense. But, like, you're a perfect example. Let's say, even if we are saying, so people interpreted it as, of the people that died of COVID had other comorbidities that ultimately led to their death, which number one is not true. That's not what the data even means. What it meant was there are other things on their death certificate. And when you die, Ed just talked about this in our last podcast, there's like 18 things on your death certificate that you died from. Yes. But we're talking about comorbidities and people have this idea that only like obese old smokers or something have comorbidities like oh if you if you have diabetes you must just like not take care of yourself or whatever but okay you have had high cholesterol since the age of what two two a little baby two on my two-year-old checkup i'm not sure why they drew a lipid panel but they did something (laughs) something was amiss that is interesting what makes you draw maybe your family i mean do do you have a family you have a family history or something no they just said it was a genetic mutation Wow. Well, you would be counted in that 94%, which yes. means the wellness industry was like, whoop, sorry. Sorry. Too bad for you. You, I mean, you had it a comorbidity. Is bizarre. You, you have to die. You guys, that means anybody, like, if you have diabetes, high blood pressure, literally Asthma. anything that most people have. I think it's, is it 80% of Americans or something? I it's think either it 60 is. or 80. It's an incredibly high statistic. Yes. How many people have comorbidities? It's insane. So I have two comor- comorbidities. You have one. Lindsay, our producer, is here. I don't know if she has any. I'm not going to ask her right now. She can answer <laughs> if she wants to. But two out of three people in this room are immediately counted by the wellness space as lives that do not matter. We didn't matter. Because we had comorbidities. We didn't matter. Too bad for us. Well, outrageous. This 2020 is wild. What can I say? <laughs> outrageous. It is. It is totally outrageous. I just felt like people took that statistic and read it the wrong way and then used it to push whatever agenda they had. Yeah. At oh, the yeah. moment. Yeah. It's been, it's been wild. And uh, gosh, I mean, misinformation has never been more rampant. Oh, and is, I, I get it. I get people wanting to hear something and believe it because it's the only thing that makes sense at the time. But at the same time, yeah. it's like, you have, like, you've got to listen to the science. Right. You got to listen to the numbers. Right. This isn't something somebody's just making up and like people saying that it's just the United States and everything's going to be different after the election. Mm. It's like, wait, this is a worldwide issue. Right. This is a global right. pandemic. It's really interesting to see people's attitudes about it as if there are groups of people that are enjoying this. Like, yeah. I think it's been bad for pretty much everybody. I'd agree. 
unless you own the company that makes the masks or the gloves. Like I'd agree. Even then, probably they're probably like, oh gosh, or in Big Pharma or something, you know? <laughs> right. Or the somehow, vitamin C creators. Somehow, Big Pharma and big vitamin C. Ugh, I just. I or bleach. Or bleach. Clorox. <laughs> you know what? Clorox thriving. Thriving. They actually are doing a great, their company, never been better. Hand sanitizer. There's a couple of things that I've. Well, Ed O'Brien, I'm sure, has been stocking up on the hand sanitizer enough to keep the industry afloat for decades. I have so. to. I'm right there with them. I'm right there with them. Has it changed? How is, has that changed anything about like the way, gosh, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of, I mean, going back into normal life from that. I mean, are mm-hmm. you like, I hate everybody. I don't want to. Right? <laughs> yes, like, just, definitely. Yes. No, I feel like, no, I definitely don't hate everybody. I'm Some kidding. days that's, I kind of do. That's me. That's me. <laughs> but no, I, it, it's definitely changed. It, it, I kind of felt like leaving New York. I didn't have any emotion. Yeah. For a while. Well, you kind of have to turn it off to, to get yeah. through that. But I felt like I'm normally a very empathetic person. Mm-hmm. I would say I have way more mirror nor- neurons than the most person, like mm-hmm. to a fault. I'm a two on the Enneagram. Aww. I hate me so I'm much. Yeah. Ugh, I hate me. But I kind of lost a lot of that for a little bit. Yeah. I just felt like, I don't know. I just felt like people's issues weren't. They were non-issues. Like if someone were to complain to me about something. And it's actually gotten to the point where I had to apologize to a couple people. I was like, I'm so sorry. That was your reality and what you were dealing with. One of my best friends is a counselor. Uh And she was like, Maggie, you've got to take it easy. Like you got to take it easy. This is not who you are normally. But I just felt like I lost a lot of that. You know, like someone would tell me something that they, they would complain about something. And I'm like, you did not just suffer at the hospital and die of COVID right. while the rest of the world is telling you that this alone with no yes. visitors. Lit, yes. Suffered. You guys, I had between 39 and 41 patients by myself. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, we were severely understaffed. Thir- 39 and 41 patients 39, between by yourself? 39 and 41 every day by myself. Okay. Let's just, so just to back up in case you are not clear on how many patients you typically would have in the hospital, it'd be, so if I if we were like severely understaffed when I was working as a nurse at the VA, I'd have six or seven by myself. Yes, and, and that's that was still like a, that's still insane. a lot. I mean, that's still like you're not taking a second to pee. How, you can't you're even give eating. them medicine. They, I mean, exactly. How, how do you exactly? You literally can't give if yes. it takes. Let's say it takes twenty or thirty minutes to give somebody their meds because you got to like you got to scan it, you got to crush it, you yes. got to hang it, you yes. got to mix it up, Everything. flush it, whatever it is. It can take thirty minutes. Yes. So if you've got I'm no mathematician. Hold on. I literally am going to pull out my calculator because I don't understand how you would even get. I'm not. Okay. So let's say, let's cut it down to 20 minutes. Let's say you're like really flying and you have, I'm going to give you 30 patients. Okay. That's, oh, that's 10 hours. Mm -hmm. So you could spend your, Mm -hmm. basically your entire 12 hour shift Mm -hmm. just trying to give people their meds. Yeah. Like doing nothing else. Like there's no assessing at this point. And I just want to say this because I've had a a ton of crazy people send me links saying that doctors and nurses were intentionally, and respiratory therapists and PTOT were intentionally causing harm to patients. I don't know if you saw any of those whistleblower There was one one nurse that got like super, super, you know, Insta, TikTok, whatever famous that was like going bananas. But she, first of all, 
she had been asked to leave like multiple hospitals yeah. before she even got yes. to New York. So yes. she was a problem and like, just yes. anyway, I can't even with her, but and I yeah. can't either. But a lot of the, I mean, I was literally sitting there trying to just pass meds and I had somebody from home would send me that video. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, were you just like literally go to hell? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And the thing was, is yes, there were, there was definitely people who suffered and they shouldn't have, but we had a nurse shortage, a doctor shortage, a med That's shortage, a PPE everything shortage, shortage, a morgue shortage. We were doing, an everyone shortage. was doing the best that they could. And I was not working in an ICU. I didn't have patients on vents. Uh, my girlfriends who did come to New York, they were one-on-one. So they were, you know, one, yeah. one patient, one nurse. Um, in the ICU where she was working. Which is still a lot, like even one on one in the ICU is, you know, you have one patient who, yes. if you don't hang the med in the 10 minute increment, like they die. They're dead. You know, I mean, yes. so it's, that's, it's, it's, it's a different, different level of intensity. A completely, my patients, for the most, they, I'm not going to say that they were stable because they weren't, um, but they were not in the ICU and they weren't on vents. Right. Um, but they weren't well, obviously. But they, they were not well. They hospital. were all COVID positive. And they all had multiple comorbidities getting back onto our co- comorbidities. But these are also people who like, yeah. I mean, my grandmother died of COVID in Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, I didn't that. Yeah. And I mean, she w- was old, old, lived a beautiful life, you yeah. know, was content. She didn't suffer at all. Right. She was diagnosed with COVID, you know, literally went to sleep that night and was out of it for five days and then passed away in her sleep. Mm. And I'm glad that she didn't suffer, but it's kind of, you know, I just feel like these people have no idea because they didn't see it firsthand and it's infuriating. It's similar. It, what it reminds me of, and this is like a good way to segue to your time with one world health is it's very much with vaccines, you know, I think that we don't fear what we haven't seen firsthand. I agree. Right. It's like a silent or invisible enemy. Yes. So polio, why would you fear polio? I get it. I mean, I'm, I, I totally get it. Like, why would you fear that if you've never seen it you don't understand it? And then you're kind of saying, you know, it's hard for you to come back into like the real world. That's how I would always feel before and after I would go on a mission trip with one world is I would like, before I would know what I was going to and I'd mm-hmm. be at work where people are bitching and complaining about like not getting their breakfast tray on time. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm getting on a plane for tomorrow for two days where mm-hmm. I'm going to go see people who have literally never gotten to have medicine. Mm-hmm. Never and who once. are going to be waiting in lines for two for days two to days. get a Tylenol. Right. And it's really difficult, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I particularly had a harder time with this when I was younger probably less mature. I don't, I don't know. I can, that's giving myself a lot of credit of maturity that <laughs> I don't think that I have. But when I was younger and before I had been a bunch of times and mm-hmm. like kind of taught myself how to just come back and assimilate, I would be so angry when mm-hmm. I came back because I would just be like, you have no idea. You don't know how good you have it here. Mm-hmm. And you complain about everything. Mm-hmm. And I just came from this land where no one has any medical, anything and their kids you know, get sick and then they die. They die. They get sick and they die. Yes. You know, it's just. And I, I felt I can really totally hard. relate, and I felt almost angry at myself the first time that I went mm-hmm. with One World Health to Uganda, mm-hmm. and I came back and I was like, oh my god. I mean, yeah. it's it's such a wake up call. Ugh. And I want. I'm sure that most of your listeners have heard you talk about One World Health before. Yeah, I talk about it sometimes. I actually, I talked about it last week. I answered a question. Mm-hmm. 
um, somebody asked me why we're so involved in it. And I was like, well, my husband started it. So <laughs> we're very involved. Well, will you talk just for a second? Because yes. I know that I want to send this to a couple people. And I want them to really understand like the difference between One World Health and just like a mission trip. Totally. Okay. So Ed, my husband, started with his um, friend Matt, started One World Health, which is... So, so the different, so One World Health builds sustainable hospital yes. systems in developing nations. And so the difference is, the, the reason that they started is because my husband had been on several medical missions when he was in college and then in med school. And these are short-term medical missions where you go for a week or two and treat some people for, you know, whatever, maybe there, and there are some trips like that that have huge benefits, mm-hmm. like glasses is a huge thing deworming is a huge thing like you can you can reduce the disease population you know yeah dental trips are huge because that's not as much neat like follow-up but it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily serving an actual health public health population right so what one world health does is they yes there is a short-term mission arm but the bigger picture is that in all of the countries that we go to there are hospitals with outlying clinics that are mm-hmm. running with, you know, Ugandan, Nicaragua, Nicaraguan, Honduran, Costa Rican, wherever mm-hmm. we are, the d- nurses and doctors that live there are working there and running it 365 days a year when mm-hmm. no one is there. Mm-hmm. And the systems are built on a sliding scale pay system typically. And I don't know how they figure this out, but it's like this person can pay their whole bill. Great. They're going to pay their whole bill because they, they have the money, they have a job, whatever it is, and they can afford it. Yeah. The, oh, this person can only pay 10%, they pay 10%. And that has been wildly successful. So the hospitals actually make enough money to then build another hospital, build another clinic. And it's, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not just giving out free healthcare for people. I know on the short term, like when you go, there's some of that, but it's, it's, you know, these communities, I feel like they've, they become very empowered. Right. Um, exactly. And they can kind of, they're paying, they're investing in their healthcare. There's value assigned to it, number one, because it's not just like some white dude that comes in. Yes. And it's like the white, you know, white savior the complex. The white savior complex. Very, yes. very real. And, and it's hard. I think it's hard as a white person to understand like why that can be a bad thing. I agree. But it can be. It can be. Our privilege can. We are white. <laughs> we, it's like, let's just say it. Maggie and I are both white and it's, we are blinded by a lot yes. of things. And, but it can be a really negative impact on a community. So, um, or it can really negatively impact a community. So when there's value, it's shown over and over again, when there's value assigned to something, then the person who's receiving that actually knows the value of it yes. and values it themselves that yes. much more. So. I remember like an example of this was the first time that I went uh-huh. and I think, you know, One World Health gave away, um, I think is when it was called Palmetto Medical Initiative. Yes, back in the day. Back in the day. Yes. Gave away tons of mosquito nets. Right. And, we you know, we went back mm-hmm. and they were all, no one was using them. Mm-hmm. They were the, sold them to, you know, mm-hmm. fishermen or this and that. Right. The next time we went back, they had to buy them. Yep. For like a dollar affordable and it was from you know the clinic that was already set up there selling Mm -hmm. them yeah and we came back and they're all using them still yeah and I thought that was crazy you know when there's a value to something it's totally it is totally different and it's the same thing with health and medicine if you Mm -hmm. give too much away um then there's not as much of a of a value and I'm talking about these people you go there and they have high blood pressure, and you tell the person, you know, I really think if you would reduce your salt intake, and and I don't know, it depends on the person. Let's say yeah. reduce your salt intake and um, 
I want you to exercise a little bit, like walk on purpose, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. You go back three months later and that person's like, well, uh, doctor, I have not eaten salt since you were here last. And you're like, and you're like what? I'm sorry. The compliance. The compliance <laughs> is unfreaking believable yeah. because they, there's none of this like, I, I don't, it's just so different. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just, it's just, a t- it's totally different. I don't even, I don't want to like speak, I don't know. I don't want to speak neg- negatively about things here, but I know. In, intel- uh, in an intelligent way. As well, yes, I, I know. I'm like, uh, it's easy to, to get on a tangent about Americans, yes. but I'm an, I'm an American. So and I, do, I. I do the same thing. And you, you come back and you're like, I'm going to give everything away and sell it. And then yet yeah, here I am. And yeah. I didn't do any of that. <laughs> so, well, I just wanted you to, and I'm, thank you for saying all that. You worded it perfectly. I just wanted to kind of talk about the difference yeah. between, yeah, you know, a yeah. mission trip and the sustaining model. Because you can do both. Yes. You actually can do both, and which you, is yep. is their their purpose. Because there are a lot of people who will say that short term, you know, or overseas medical missions are, you know, don't serve a, a purpose. Mm-hmm. I totally disagree. Number one, mm-hmm. people who go on them are eighty percent more likely to come back and serve their own communities mm-hmm. because they've seen the positive impact in their own lives. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, for example, the first time I went with Ed and we we were we were the first trip in Uganda. What year was this? 2009. Okay. A long time ago. Yeah. You were a tiny baby. But <laughs> I wasn't even born yet. We were, she was not a newborn. <laughs> well, we were on this bus in Africa. We had just left the airport. And I remember looking around and I was like, what the hell are we doing here? Like, this is a bad idea. Yeah. It's a very bad idea. And by the end of the week, you know, I think people think you're going to feel this like, guilty or I have so much more than they do. And I'm looking around and I'm like, these people are joyful. Yeah. They have more, you know, community, family, value, and orientation than I have had in my whole life. Like, their relationship with Christ is totally different than mine because they actually have to depend on Him. And I don't, and I'm jealous, Mm -hmm. you know? It's a weird, it's weird. It's a a crazy, like, dichotomy of how that happens. I totally agree. Yeah. I felt the exact same way. You're kind of torn in all of your emotions. Oh, man. And, and talking about coming back and trying to explain that to people, yeah. they'll be like, how was your trip? And you're like, you're like I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you can't answer it. It's like, how was your yeah. time in New York? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's very, it takes a long time to process. Yeah, I agree. So you went to Uganda and Nicaragua? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't, it's, they're also very different. People ask me, I think there's something special about any country in Africa. I agree. It's just, it's a level of... <sighs> remoteness that you're you'll, a complete world away totally it takes two days to get there yeah. you know i mean nicaragua was like it's like i love it it's very of it's course. very different it's a different community one of the most beautiful places i've ever been to in my totally. entire life it's just some there's something special to me about africa me too and, and everything there my the first trip was uganda yeah and that was my first time out of the country um, oh whoa yeah that's a my big, second time ever on a plane that's a big leap I know and I lo- I mean I knew I, I just loved it yeah. loved it loved it but it, yeah I mean it messes with your mind trying to process it yeah. you know and I feel almost like this is a, trivial for us to discuss you know yeah discussing the way that we process versus their lives over there every single day. Yeah. So I always, I never really know like how to even think about those things. And like if there's a right or wrong way to process yeah. things. Well, it's interesting. My friend Amanda lived there for a couple of years. She and her husband, Michael, were living there while we did construction on the first hospital. And she's a, a counselor. And there's, 
I don't know that the processing is happening, right? Like, so she's like, I'm trying to incorporate this program and explain to them what the word trauma means. Mm -hmm. Cause there had, you know, obviously a lot of them have had huge traumas. She's like, they don't, how do you explain that to someone? Mm -hmm. Like a word that they've never heard. They don't have any context and just trying to help them work through that. But they don't even understand what the word means. Cause what is she, what does she do? So she's a counselor Okay. and her husband, Michael, now he runs one world health. Okay. Um, but at the time, this was like year two or three, they lived in Uganda Mm -hmm. through the construction. He was the general contractor, like for the hospital and everything. I can't imagine being a counselor. Yeah. You know, like I I feel like the physical needs I can meet, but the mental and emotional ones, I'm like, I can't even figure myself out. Yeah. I don't know how I can help anyone. And I haven't really had real trauma, you know? Yeah. You're yeah. Like, oh, we think you have. Like, oh, I have We've lived very. Surgery, and, like, my kid yeah. doesn't like to sleep that much. And, like, you know, I mean, it's. School was expensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, my whole family was, like, killed by the, you yes. know, rebels in the Congo. Yeah. Like, um, it's like, I'm unbelievable. sorry, what? It, yeah. it really is. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, Maggie. This was lovely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for talking. Of course. I'm not even sure what I said or if I said the right or wrong things, but good luck editing. There is no <laughs> there is no right or, or wrong on the Dabble Co. I say that. No, that's there is. You did, you did great. This is great. <laughs> well, well, we'll, thank you soon. so much. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. As always, if you like the podcast, please rate and subscribe and share with your friends. If you liked hearing from actual medical people who know what they're talking about, come back and shoot me an email, shoot me a message, and let me know what you want to hear about. Thanks. Bye.